0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Be the Gospel with Anthony Tijerina. Did I say that right?
1: You did. You're getting
0: better and better. <laughs> and he's going to give us a good, good, wholesome teaching tonight. Welcome to the program, Anthony. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Something that is probably one of the most misunderstood topics um, in Christianity, and and that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just like I told you, when, we, when I started on this journey, I, I went back and I started challenging everything that I had been taught. Uh, even prejudices that I had picked up from from my fathers, I guess you would say you know, because you have your biological father that pours all these uh, biases and, and and viewpoints and perspectives into you all your life growing up. And then you have, you know, spiritual fathers or your mentors or or whoever that may be speaking into your life. And if you realize they're not, you begin to take on their prejudices. You begin to take on their beliefs. And so going back and in actually challenging everything concerning the holy spirit i begin to find there is quite a number of things that are just common misconceptions and perceptions about the holy spirit that <clears throat> excuse me that have really thrown a lot of people off it's basically led us in the direction as a church as a whole in the wrong direction instead of going closer to god We've actually kind of estranged ourselves from God, thinking that we're doing things by the Spirit, when in actuality we're doing things out of carnality. We're doing things out of our soul. And so going back, you know, one thing that I had been taught most of my life was that the Holy Spirit only came on and and indwelled people in the New Testament. And I've actually gone back and I've done a study, and and you can do it as well, is go back into the Old Testament, and you'll find, I think it was 16 to 18 different people that didn't just have the Holy Spirit on them, but the Holy Spirit in them. And so this kind of destroys what a lot of people who teach on baptism and the Holy Spirit have taught in the past. Because he's saying, well, you know, here are these individuals, for instance, uh, when God is speaking to Moses about how to make the tabernacle, the tent of, of, of meeting, he tells him, look for this man. And he names, he goes, in whom my spirit dwells and has been given to him the wisdom of working with metals and the wisdom of carving and the skill And and he goes through and he describes everything that was imparted to him by the Spirit of God. And then you fast forward because you find it over and over. Even Ezekiel says, I am filled with the Spirit of God. And so when you get to the early parts of the the transition between the Old Old Testament and the New Testament… And we, we catch that before Jesus is born, right? Because you see John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit. And it says that when Mary met Elizabeth, that John the Baptist in the womb of Mary, I mean in the womb of Elizabeth, excuse me, jumped or leaped, and immediately Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? So it it leads to the question, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Because if, if you can find the why to anything, then it begins to expose the purpose for everything. And a lot of times we don't take time to find the why. Because we assume, in our, because of our busy lives, that the people we're listening to have done adequate homework. But here's the thing. We're people of habit. We're not people of intellect and logic is, as much as we would like to be. We do everything according to habit. So you have a habit of listening to the same speakers over and over because you like them or because you can identify with them or whatever the case may be. But you never make it a habit, or usually most people don't make it a habit, let me generalize that, to go back and investigate what these speakers are saying to see if it's true or if it's not true. And the reason why I'm I'm even bringing this up is because you begin to realize that just because they're a well-known speaker or they're well-known evangelist, or or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean that everything that comes out of the mouth is actually scripturally accurate. Because They're speaking out of that moment. And like I said earlier, sometimes they're carrying the biases and the prejudices and their preconceived ideas and everything else as they're speaking, and it comes out as well. And so I'm not saying that it's not the Spirit of God. I'm, what I am saying is that God will use whatever he can, and in truth, of course, to reach people. So in spite of the failures and the frailty and, and the biases and everything else, he still gets his message through. And so when we go back and we look at what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Why? Why did he fill? And come upon people in the Old Testament. What was the purpose of that? And as you go through, you'll find that there was always a particular purpose for these people to fulfill in God's plan. So we find in the Old Testament, it was only a select few that got to participate. And have the Spirit of God dwell in them or dwell upon them? It wasn't everyone. And so that's what leads up to Acts chapter 2 that Peter explains. Because in the Old Testament, it was only for a select few to receive the Holy Spirit. So... Let's go back and let's look in the Gospels and see exactly what happened and what was preached and what was taught. Because as we go back and we look at the foundation, and and you have to understand this is something that's covered in every single Gospel. It's covered in the book of Acts. And so when you go back and and you look at this and the importance that the early writers, the early believers, the apostles, the disciples have placed on the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely remarkable. And it can't be overlooked. So we're going to look at some of the proof texts that people often make an, an argument or a case for water baptism, and we actually see what it actually says. ...for baptism of the Holy Spirit and its and purpose. So when we see John the Baptist coming into the scene, we can go to John chapter 1 and we can, we can easily see what's panning out as John the Baptist himself explains why he wire why he baptizes. And this is something that's commonly overlooked as a result. So if we go to John chapter 1 very quickly... And I'll tell you what verse here in a second. You'll begin to see the picture and and the focus of even John, the Revelator, John, as he's explaining these things out. The truths out to people because he he already, he's already lived through it. He's already seen it. He's seen the results of it and manifestation of it. So there's a particular perception there's a particular viewpoint that he's portraying and he's he's trying to articulate across the ages that somehow we've we've constantly missed so if we go back starting in verse 19 of chapter 1 of the book of John says so this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you he confessed did not deny But confessed I am not the Christ And they asked him What then are you Elijah He said I am not Are you the prophet He answered no So they they said to him who are you We need to give answer An answer to those who sent us What do you say about yourself And he said I am the voice For the one crying out in the wilderness Make straight The way of the Lord As the prophet Isaiah said Now they had been sent from the Pharisees They asked him Then why are you baptizing If you are neither the Christ Nor Elijah nor the prophet And John answered to them Answered them I baptize you with water But one among you stands One among you stands But among you stands One do not know Sorry I'm reading too fast (laughs) Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. So here he's giving the explanation of why he was baptizing with water. And it's so that the hardness of heart and the blind eyes because of the callousness that sin caused in the Israelites, because you have to understand, before John the Baptist, God did not speak to a prophet Or anyone for 300 years He was silent Towards Israel So now John the Baptist shows up And he's saying This is why I want to baptize That Jesus might be revealed To Israel So this opens up a whole lot of questions that I'm not going to get into today or answer today, but because I want to focus on the Holy spirit and I want to focus on his purpose in dwelling believers today and why it's so important. Okay. So going on to verse 32 and it says, and John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove. It doesn't say he descended from heaven as a dove or, uh, even though some translations say that, or it doesn't say that he descended from heaven. Um, like basically, he didn't descend from heaven, or he wasn't a dove descending from heaven. Let me put it that way, right? It says like a dove, so it's it's explaining the grace, the 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 finesse on which. The Holy Spirit des- descended from heaven, and it and remained on Jesus. And it says, and it re- and, re- and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, "He who whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit." So here, by the witness of God, speaking to John the Baptist. And the witness of John the Baptist himself, because we find it in every gospel, and I'll give you those scriptures in a second, he's saying he's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's saying that Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So here's John the Baptist giving first-hand account, and he's explaining That Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the word baptizes for a second. And so you'll find that it's the word baptizo in Greek. And so baptize is actually a Greek word, not an English word, a Greek word that has been religious um, because we have kept it Greek instead of translating it to modern English. So the word baptizo just means to immerse, right? So I, I bapto, which means to dip the sponge in soap water before I scrub the, the baptizo dishes, right? So you say I dip the sponge in the soap water before I, I scrub the immersed dishes in water, right? So the water – the dishes are immersed in water while the sponge was dipped in water. So you can see there's a difference in how it's used and and why it's used. So if we go back to one of the oldest uses of BAPTO and BAPTIZO, it's from an old pickling recipe. And in that recipe it says, you BAPTO the cucumbers in boiling water, and then you BAPTIZO them in, in jars filled with vinegar and pickling salt and then you cap the lid so they stay fully submerged or immersed in the vinegar and pickling salt until the very nature of the cucumber becomes a pickle. Also another picture that you can look at is that of when you're dyeing cloth. So whenever they dye cloths, they make sure that when it's immersed into a dye is baptized into into dye that it is fully that the dye has fully penetrated every thread down to the core so they'll take a, a thick piece and slice it open to see and make sure that um, that it's absorbed all the way to the very core of the, of the um, material itself the the fabric itself, the the threads itself. So that's the way it's used, and we see here that it's referring to Jesus, is the one who who immerses with the Holy Spirit. Then it begins to give you an idea, okay, of what exactly is going on. So real quick, let's go to Matthew three eleven because this is where we're going to find another instance. Matthew three eleven. And here you're going to see, this is John the Baptist speaking again. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So here he's openly saying, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, there's some people, some well-known people. Out there talking about the, the, the baptism of fire is a greater baptism And it is a Straight out lie because if we finish The context of the scripture it says His winnowing fork is in his hand And he will clear the threshing Floor and gather His wheat into the barn But the Shaft which is all the leftover Pieces which are good for nothing The shaft he will Burn with unquenchable Fire so, do you think baptism of fire is the greater fire? And we find it again in Mark. Sorry in Luke, chapter three as well, starting in verse 16, and it's the, the second place where it says that he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so we see again, it gives context, says the exact same thing in verse 17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So he's giving context of what the fire is. You don't want fire. Trust me. He's not talking about fire of trials and tribulations as covered in uh, the book of Corinthians. No, no. He's talking about hell. Okay? Burning with unquenchable fire. So when we look at descriptions of hell, that's clearly stated. Alright, so let's let's go back and look at the Holy Spirit. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit. So when we look at this, a lot of people immediately think of Acts 1 8. Right? Well, real quick, let me give you the last scripture, which is in Mark 1. Verse eight it says basically the same thing as it says in john one thirty three but let's go over to acts one eight acts one eight because this scripture has been so misunderstood, and so hot not okay but let me let me back up just a little further to verse four because I want you to see this I want you to see exactly what Jesus said. To the disciples And you find if you follow the timeline If you take time and you look this up And you look it up in a parallel gospel uh, Bible You'll find that he told them this After his resurrection Because When you realize that You realize he's placing the importance On the Holy Spirit And not water baptism And understand water baptism Has its place But it's not greater than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we'll go back to John 3, and I'll explain that out here in a second. Okay, so here in Acts 1, verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So you see, they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because or else they would need to wait. They would just start walking it out. But here is where you see the importance of John 14, 15, and 16, where he's, he's telling them about the Holy Spirit, the very nature of the Holy Spirit, which is an interesting study. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit, right, he comes for sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so he says because the the prince of this world is um, – sorry, let me back up. Yeah, sin because the world does not know him, right? And then it says for for righteousness because I will be with you no longer. Uh, And what's interesting is the word righteousness that we translate into righteousness is actually the word justice. In every other language, and even in Greek, it's the word justice, which is very interesting. And that's something that I hope to get to with you uh, very soon because you begin to realize that we are God's justice on this earth, which uh, just stepping into that is… Very interesting. And then it says um, of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. And if you look at that word and compare it to the word for righteousness, you'll see that they are in the same family in Greek because they are very closely related. So you see the the purpose of the Holy Spirit and why he's here just from – Going over John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So oh. let's get into the juicy part, right? So when they had come, this is verse 6 of Acts 1. So it's Acts 1, 6. It says, when they had come together and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know. Time's or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But look at verse 8. But you have received... Power Dunamis When the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses In Jerusalem And all of Judea and Samaria And to the end of the earth Alright so let's look at this And let's break this down Because I can Let me show you first How the church has seen this You will receive power By means of the Holy Spirit And you will, be, you will become witnesses of Jesus, right? That's the way most people read this, but they never take time to actually look up what dunamis means because there's five words for power. Five different words for power in kone Greek, in common Greek. And If we go up to verse 7, the word authority there is the word power, but it's exousia. Right? It's a right to rule. The, uh, the, the right to exercise authority. Because if you didn't have a right to exercise authority, then you would be a thief. But when you look at the word dunamis, the word dunamis means an inherent power by virtue of a person or a thing's nature. So if we go over to Luke ten nineteen, we see that the Jesus saying, "Behold, I give you exousia. I give you authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy, which is dunamis." Let me go there real quick. Make sure I didn't misquote that for you. It says, "Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the dunamis of the enemy." So you can see. That the enemy has dunamis In Acts one eight says You will receive dunamis When the Holy Spirit has come upon you So when you begin to realize that it, it's An inherent power by virtue That comes from the very nature Of a person or a thing and so we see that the Holy Spirit is a person because he's grieved, right? He can be quenched. He speaks. There's so much that goes into it, and there's tons of scriptures that prove that he's a person, right? And so a lot of what people teach in churches around the world is that the Holy Spirit is the means to an end, and the end being power, and power for their ministries, power to make them well known and gain influence and do all these things. So they use and abuse the Holy Spirit, thinking there's no consequence whatsoever to their actions. And I'm sad to tell you, but there will be. And so when you look at this and you actually break this apart and you rightly divide this, you begin to realize, okay, if it comes from the very nature of a person or a thing, Whose nature is this power coming from? Oh, the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Not before, but after. So as a result of the very nature of the Holy Spirit, power comes. And then you continue reading and it says, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to the end of the earth. So when you go back and you look at this, what makes you a witness? Is it the power? Because if that's true, then we can look at warlocks and Hindus and all these other people in religions and stuff and say, well, they operate in power, so they must be witnesses of God. They must be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And we know that's certainly a false statement. So who makes you a witness of Jesus Christ? Is it power or is it the Holy Spirit? And you'll find 100% of the time, it's the Holy Spirit. We find that by the Holy Spirit, love is poured out in our hearts. You find that faith or trust operates through love you find that by the very nature of God the goodness of God the power of God flows so it has nothing to do with us the only thing that God requires of us is obedience and trust and you trust because you're obedient or you you are obedient because you trust. Sorry, I had that backwards. And because you trust, you become obedient. This is basically what it boils down to. So when you look at this, and you begin to realize that everything comes from the Spirit of God. If you're operating from His Spirit, you place your trust in Him. You you place your trust in God, and not of yourself. Because then it's using your dunamis. Oh, we're stepping on some dangerous ground here, right? Yes, you have dunamis. But it's been tainted. It's been tainted because of the fallen nature of man that resulted because of sin due to the fall in Genesis chapter 3. So when we go into Romans and it explains the different natures, the nature of, of the first Adam and the nature of the last Adam, then you begin to realize and understand what is being stated, what is what is being portrayed, what is being said clearly. Or you look at Nicodemus, or we go here to John chapter three, starting in verse one, he says, We know that you're from God. Because who could do these things? Unless God was with him. So they can tell by his very nature, but because of who he is, his character, his nature, that he was from God. And John states in chapter 1 that Jesus, light, came to the earth and exposed darkness, but men loved their darkness more than light. So, he's explaining how the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the day, were so blinded by their own ambition, by their own dunamis, their own power, and struggles for power and influence and control, that they completely missed Jesus. And so interesting that we can go to churches today and find the same thing going on. So you begin to realize, not by the Spirit of God, that they're trying to do things and say things, but it's by a spirit of manipulation. It's a spirit of control. That's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not thinking ahead of myself So let's go to John chapter 3 Starting in verse 1 It says Now there was a man of of the Pharisees Named Nicodemus A ruler of the Jews This man Came to Jesus by night And said to him Rabbi We know that you are a teacher Come from God For no one can do these signs That you do unless God is with him Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Okay. I, I was trying to avoid this. So it doesn't actually say born again, it says born Uply born of heaven, born anew. I'll, I'll settle for born anew. His born again ties straight back into what Nicodemus is trying to question, and Paul's writing to his, his question. Right, So it actually means born anew because you're a new creation that has never existed before. The word in Greek can be directly tied to our word, prototype. One of a kind, creation. Never existed on the face of the earth ever before. And we'll get there in a second. So you're born anew because he cannot see the kingdom of God. So unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Right? See, here he's making his case. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter The kingdom of God See a lot of people stop right there They take that one verse Out of its context And they make it apply to See see, you have to be baptized in water And baptized in the Holy Spirit Or else you can't enter into the kingdom of God But if you follow on the context Into the next verse It says that which is born of the flesh Is flesh So what did he just equate to water? Flesh What happens When a woman's water breaks There's birth Right So he's saying That which is born of flesh is flesh And that which is born of the spirit Is spirit So he's saying you have to be born Of the flesh and born of the spirit To enter into the kingdom of God Verse 7 do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born anew. And the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And if you can continue on, and you'll see basically that he ends up rebuking Nicodemus and telling him, hey, If I've shared, told you earthly things, and you do not believe me, how can. You believe me if I tell you you things. And so when you look at everything he's sharing with Nicodemus, because all the way to verse 21 is Jesus having a discussion with Nicodemus. Right? So we see even here Jesus is placing an importance on the Holy Spirit. If we go to Romans 8, we see that it says, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. Yep, that's what it says Go look it up So why? Why is this? That we need the Spirit of Christ Why is it that we need the Holy Spirit? Do you know? Because I'm going to pull this up And we're going to dive into this Because you're going to begin to see exactly what Paul was communicating to the, to the Corinthians. And nothing does it justice unless we, we read it from this frame of mind or from this viewpoint where he's sharing with them spiritual truths, physical truths, hoping that they will understand him. And so when you look at what he's saying and we're gonna look at chapter two, starting verse eleven. It says, Well, we can back up a little bit. Let me touch back up let's go to let's go to verse six. Yeah, so this is first Corinthians chapter two, verse six. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom as though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything. Your translation might say all things. Everything. So is that, does that leave anything out? No. And look, he even qual- he even qualifies it. He says even the depths of God. So let's look at what he's he's bringing out here. Verse eleven: For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. So he's giving very practical example that your thoughts are known by your spirit, by your human spirit, or however you would say that, right? And so just like we are made, the way he designed us, he himself is. So the Holy Spirit knows all his thoughts. We see that he searches out everything, even the depths of God. So he knows everything about God. He knows everything about creation. He knows everything about the past and the future, everything else, because he can see it. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. Look at verse 12. Now we have not, we have received not the spirit of the world But the spirit who is from God That we might understand The things freely given us by God Wow Verse 13 And we impart this in words Not taught by human wisdom But taught by the spirit Interpreting spiritual truths To those who are spiritual A lot of people quote this verse halfway. Don't finish it. But look what it says. But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because most ministries, you follow along with them, they say you don't have the mind of Christ. You need to work for it. You need to strive for it. You need to do all these things to attain... The mind of Christ. And you find that it's simply not true. It's not true at all. You have the mind of Christ. It says it right there, plainly. How? You have received the Holy Spirit from God. And if you have it, Jesus is very clear about that too. If you being evil, Being earthly, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, your Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks. So if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't need somebody to lay hands on you. We can see it in Scripture. You can have somebody lay hands on you. We see that in Scripture. The method is not important. The fact that it happens is what's important. So we see that you have the spirit of God, and because you have the spirit of God, he makes known even the depths of God to you. Everything to you, that you have the mind of Christ. It's not something to be obtained. I can hear some of you kind of rolling over a little bit because you want to bring up first. Uh, Romans 12, sorry Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 Well, let's look at it Because a lot of people just want to take 2 Without reading, reading verse 1 It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers By the mercies of God To present yourselves as a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable to God Which is your spiritual worship I'm reading from the ESV so this is how you spiritually worship God And is by presenting your bodies As a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable to God Thank you Jesus Look at number two Do not be conformed to this world Conformed means we don't We're not supposed to look like this world That's scary because you, if you look at the church they're trying to look like the world. They're trying to bring people in by having dances and raves and doing all. I mean, it's as ridiculous as in Oklahoma, they have uh, dance pole lessons, and they call them, they they call themselves dancing for Christ. And so they're dancing on these stripper poles. In the church now Look it up It's on YouTube You don't believe me It's on YouTube It's out there Again Being conformed To this world Right He says Do not be conformed To this world But be transformed By the renewal Of your mind That you may test That by testing You may discern What is the will of God What is good Acceptable And perfect So let me ask you a question, because that's what it it, it ends up leading up to, is how do you renew your mind? Is it by getting a lot of information in your mind, or is it simply by going over something and then doing it? Because if you think it's by a bunch of information Then you'll fall into the category Where you're ever learning And never coming to the knowledge of the truth Because you have an idea You have a theory You have a concept But you never get to Practically walk it out Because you never learned enough To do it And what did I say in the beginning God is looking for people who Will just absolutely trust him And obey Him See, Because what happens is This very Spirit of God Comes and He lives inside of you And He brings Everything that's His The goodness, the mercy The love, the joy The peace The provision The shelter, the protection The safety, everything He brings with Him When He moves in and pushes everything else out I'm telling you God's been showing this to me we were in Brazil we We're in the Baptist church God tells me you're speaking on baptism the Holy Spirit And I'm like uh uh-uh. oh I'm in a Baptist church I know what that means No no. And God goes I said, yeah, God I'm, I'm just going to talk about healing And this is already a big step for them That they're opening up to, to Receiving a healing message he goes, I want you to speak on baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm wrestling with God in my head. I'm like, nope, not going to do it. They're going to kick me out of here. He goes, why are you here? I was like, because I was obedient to you. He's like, okay. So they kicked you out of here. I was like, okay, then, it, then it'll then it be your fault. At least I know I'm doing your will. So, of, of course, God always wins in the end, right? So I get up there. I preach a message on Baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and the reason why people keep falling back into sin is because they're relying on their flesh, they're relying on methods, they're trying to struggle and strive against sin, which is the very nature that they still have until they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit moves in, He removes the desire to sin because that's not who He is. That's not His nature. That's not anything to do with Him because He is holy, it's part of His name. Holy Spirit, he's absolutely pure. And I asked the church, I said, who wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The whole church gets up, gets in line. Our team we start laying hands on them, they're getting filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. So we we spend quite quite a time laying hands on all these people. And I noticed that they were coming up sick and leaving healed as the Spirit of God was moving into them. I kid you not. At the very end of the service, the pastor goes, "Well, this wasn't what I had in mind. Uh, would do you mind praying for the sick?" I said, "Absolutely not. We'll definitely pray for the sick." I go, "But I don't think you're going to find many sick people." What do you mean? I go, "Just go ahead. We'll see." He goes, "I he goes, I know these I know these people. They're sick. They need healing." I go, "Okay, we'll see." So he called for the sick, three people came forward. We prayed for them, God healed them instantly. Looked over at the pastor, pastor was just looking at me like, What in the world just happened? I go ask them who got healed when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden you see all these hands shoot up. And he asked them to come give testimony. And they went down to the front and they testified. Just sharing about the goodness of God. And as the spirit of God moved in. He brought all of his goodness. Which is also divine health. And he pushed out all sickness. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. In a Baptist church. all places. God is demonstrating his goodness. So when you go to Galatians. Chapter five, twenty-two to twenty-three. When you see the fruit of the Spirit, you're seeing the very nature of God. That's the very nature of the Spirit, of His Holy Spirit. It's who He is. So when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what should exude out of you. This is what should flow out of you, effortlessly. And then you find that God starts bringing things to your mind. He starts convicting you and exposing and revealing to you little things. Before, they were not a big deal. But these little things, they stick to you, and you're like, oh, I feel dirty. I feel nasty because I said this or I did that and, or I wasn't completely honest. I had one of those things happen to me recently. I, did, I didn't do anything wrong Intent. I was helping do some stuff. And I made an honest mistake. I I took uh, a friend some screws, and I said, I think you know these are the the screws you need. And I stepped back, and I was watching, and then I saw you know his wife. He caught the mistake, and uh, saved basically the project. And I was just like, oh my gosh! But did I do anything wrong? No. Did anything bad happen? No. But I felt. Convicted, so you know I had to go back to him and say, "Look, I'm sorry. I I, I thought I had handed you the right shoes." And so most people would say, "Oh, it's not a big deal. That's that's you know it's it was taken care of." But in my heart, in my mind, before God, it was a huge deal. And you begin to realize how the Holy Spirit is so pure. He's so good. That he wants to remove Everything that keeps Him from every part Of your life Because he's good Absolutely good It's not do's and don'ts It's not oh you can't have fun anymore No It's through relationship We're reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ, we communicate with him by the Holy Spirit, because look at this if God if Jesus just came and he forgave our sins, how easy would it be for the devil just to make us sin again? Then what was the point of Jesus' sacrifice? but God saw bigger than that, he saw deeper than that he says. Even in in the, the the prophets in the Old Testament, he says, "Their lips are mighty, but their hearts are far from me." And doesn't that sound like a lot of churches today? That they're so driven into their traditions and everything, and they say the right things and they do the right things, while everyone's looking. As soon as nobody's looking, they're back to their old selves, cussing their children out before walking in in the door, doing all these bad things, thinking all these bad things. Completely contradictory to the very nature of God So a lot of times I step into churches And I see a bunch of hypocrites Because They're being hypocritical to the nature of God That abides in them By trying to be like the world See you thought the other way You thought I was going to say Oh they were the world trying to act like God No 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 So when you look at this He he comes That's why Jesus said It's imperative that I go to the Father So that he can send The Holy Spirit This is Christ in you The hope of glory That by his spirit It places Christ Not in just one person, but in millions and billions of every person that will come to Christ. He comes and he abides in and he lives in and transforms into the image of his beloved son. So we're no longer striving for works of righteousness by our own sake, by our own hands, but we trust in Jesus Christ who made us righteous. Before a perfect and good God So Holy Spirit comes So that we could be witnesses Of Jesus You realize the word Christian Was never said From brother to brother Who, who were believers It's what the, the non-believers Called believers And it means Christ-like Exactly like Christ Imitators of Christ And they didn't understand It wasn't, oh, I have to do this because this is what Jesus would do. No, it's this is what I do because I have the very nature. I have the very heart and the core and the essence by the Spirit of God residing and living in me. See, now bells are going off in your head, right? Because you're starting to think, oh my gosh, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? Because you begin to realize that his very nature he's given us. He's put away the old nature, put it to death by the cross and all the ordinances and everything that was written against us. And he's given us his very spirit, the very essence of who he is. And that's why it says here in Second Peter 1 verse 4, it says, and by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And you begin to realize how did we become partakers of divine nature? Divine nature comes by the very presence, excuse me, the very presence of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here. The importance that Jesus, the disciples, the apostles, even Paul, we're all pointing to, is the Holy Spirit and His presence in your life. And you being fully immersed in the Spirit of Christ, in the Spirit of God, because you take on His nature. And then you begin to operate and move by His nature. You want to see the sick healed? Get a deeper understanding and walk in relationship and fellowship and trust and obedience. You want to see miraculous things happen? You want to see great deliverances? You want to see great defiance? In against the the kingdoms and the kings of this world, it comes to the very nature of God. Dunamis says, "But you will receive power, inherent power by virtue of the Holy Spirit's nature." And that's why I teach God is healing. Because we go to John 1, we begin to see, we begin to realize, this is what John was talking about. This has been our testimony from the beginning, John 1, 5. That God is light, and in him dwells no darkness. And God started showing me a light. When a light turns on, does it struggle and strive to use dominion and authority to push back darkness? No, it's just being true to its nature. So when we look at God, we see that He's the God of the supernatural. He's He created everything, everything's in His hands, and all the mysteries and the depths and, and of everything is all in God. It was all created by Him and through Him and for His good pleasure. So everything functions and flows Out of his nature Let me share this last story as I'm finishing up So I was there in Brazil Right before I came back And I think I've shared this before And It started raining On a tin roof At this church Eternal Rock In Sao Paulo, Brazil And it just couldn't hear anything It was so loud, I couldn't hear myself in the monitors. I couldn't. And I could see people making faces and turning their ears toward me because they were straining to hear what I was sharing with them. And I asked them, can you hear me? And they're just looking at me and they're just shaking their head like, and they were pointing at their ears And they were saying, no, no, we can't And they were shaking their fingers like, no, we can't hear you So I said, give me a second I turned around, I didn't even think about it In all honesty, I didn't really think about it I turned around I said, right now Rain, you stop In Jesus' name And as I turned turned around Back to the crowd The rain had completely stopped The second I said Amen it completely stopped and said, How about now? And they erupted in praise toward God and I, I began sharing with them. I was like, You have the I go, Jesus did it. You have Jesus living in you, you can do it too. Because it comes from the very nature of God. The very nature Of the Holy Spirit And it's absolutely beautiful It's absolutely amazing So as you Spend time Going back and and studying out The things I've shared with you You'll begin to realize That it's easy It's not hard And Jesus made it so simple He made it so easy The only thing we have to do Is rely on him wholeheartedly, which is trust, and obey because we trust him. It absolutely changes everything. So I hope this has blessed you this evening. And uh, ask Dorothy if you had any questions or anything, you know, we get any calls. <laughs>
0: no, no calls, no questions. Um, but that was really interesting because. You know, you know how sometimes you you go through your walk and things happen, and you just you don't exactly know why.
1: <laughs>
0: or maybe I'm the only one that does that. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> no, I'm i there with you. I, <laughs>
0: I, I have noticed through the years that most of the time there was no struggle to get rid of things in my life. It was just like. The desire was taken away. I always say, "Well, he does the heavy lifting," because he just takes the desire away. And and with this teaching tonight, now I now I get it. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was there was a young man. Um, when we were in Minnesota that he had a meth addiction, and I was just sharing how God is good, and His nature is just He's just complete goodness, and. He said so you mean God can take away My meth addiction I said absolutely So at the end uh, A friend of mine Who's part of our ministry team Prayed for the guy he Completely gets delivered From meth Dorothy It was amazing wow. And then He turned around And he, he basically said he hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this guy who brought him over to me says, well, I don't know how to release, you know, the Spirit of God into him. I go, it's simple. You don't do nothing. And he's like, what? I go, just grab his hand. So he grabbed his hand. And said so right now in Jesus' name, just receive the, the Holy Spirit. As soon as he said that, this guy starts getting hit. I, and I can sense physically the Spirit of God flowing through my belly, through my arm, and hitting him. And he just, wave after wave, the only thing I can say is like a, like electricity, hitting this guy. And God goes, there. I said, okay, there you go. And he's, whoa, whoa, he was just freaking out. And basically, because I, I know... <laughs> What well, he was thinking at the time, he was like, "This is better than getting high." <laughs> 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 and uh, and the the man the gentleman next to me is like, he goes, "That was amazing." I go, "You could sense it too, huh? And He's like, "Yeah, I could." And it was just—it's very simple because when you realize that you're a fountain of of living water, it says you were rivers of living water, right? And that the rivers of living water flow out of your belly They're constantly moving, they're overflowing And so when you direct it in, in towards a person to be filled with the spirit of God It's like you're taking a huge water hose and you're opening it up on them <laughs> And it's just completely, you know what I mean? You're just completely like, and they're empty They're an empty well at first, you know And it just begins – they begin getting filled up, and then they start hearing God, and they start acting on hearing him, and it it just creates something just absolutely beautiful, absolutely amazing in people's lives. And honestly, Dorothy, I've been completely at all of it because just as you said, it becomes effortless.
0: And that's not to say that he's going to take everything away. Some things we do have to work on. But it's it's oh, yeah, more it's an a- obedient than trusting thing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, he does the heavy lifting most of the time. Yeah, he does.
1: Yeah. Well, even on those things that you're saying, like you're saying, when we, when we struggle with something in particular, it, it says that we're led away by our own lust, our own desire. And it's simply surrendering that desire back over to God and making that conscious decision to truly do that. It goes. And it goes quickly. See, because a lot of people think they can fool God by saying, well, I'll I'll, I'll say that I surrender it, but really in my heart I don't surrender it. No, no, God sees your heart. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. So, just because you got your hand caught in the cookie jar, you know, somebody walked in and your hand's in the cookie jar, doesn't mean that you're actually repentant. You might be sorry that you got caught, but it doesn't mean you're actually going to change from ever taking the cookies when you're not supposed to have the cookies.
0: You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And so, when you realize that God sees your heart completely, then... Ah, you might as well just be honest and open with him.
0: He respects
1: that. You know, I have I have some friends that um, in the past, they've struggled with a lot of physical ailments and issues. And they are so careful not to say the wrong thing and, and everything else. Like, well, it doesn't matter, you know, if you say the wrong thing or not, because you're trying to do it as a method. If in your heart, you truly don't believe it. That's why it says you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So just because you think you can can say the right things, all of them, that validates you, that, that makes you correct. No, sometimes God just wants you to be truthful with him. God, you know what? I messed up. I need help. And then help comes knocking on your door, and you're like, oh, okay, well, this isn't what I had in plan. It would have been much easier if you would have just done it this way. Or you're going to tell God how to do it. Now you got to submit your pride. So God's killing two birds with one stone, you know. <laughs>
0: I was thinking the other day when I had a headache, and I looked at the bottle of Advil, and I said, you know what? I know that if I take this Advil, it will get rid of the headache. Why can't I know that if I pray to get rid of the headache, that it will go? I've said i got to make that leap. So, yeah, it's a matter of wholly believing. Just like you know that Advil will take the headache away, you've got to know that Father will do what he said he'd do. Right?
1: Right, right. And if if we are completely honest with ourselves, we know that Advil doesn't actually take away the headache. It just dulls the area, so you don't feel the headache anymore. Right, exactly. But God, when He actually, if when He takes away the headache, He takes away the headache. So even today, with uh, a brother that I was with working working with today, he goes, I have a very strong sinus. Pressure that's causing a headache. So oh, okay, pray for him. I said, well, how's that now? He goes, God's got it taken care of. I said, okay. So you know the the headache left, you know. <laughs> but a lot of times, like you said, it's just knowing that that God does it one hundred percent of the time, and because He's good, He's absolutely good. So when you know that he's absolutely a healer, he absolutely sees people's hearts. He even sees, you know, and hears their thoughts. And we can see that with Jesus, right, constantly. He was hearing people's thoughts as they are trying to plot against him or attack him or just thinking something ridiculous. He was able to discern their thoughts. And this is something that a lot of people think is kind of spooky and scary but you find, as you step into being obedient to the Spirit of God because of the relationship and the fellowship, then you find that oftentimes you begin to hear people's thoughts and and it's kind of kind of crazy uh when it first started happening to me i was i s I got to share on a Sunday morning at a church and As soon as I started to, to like, get into the real uh, thickness of the message, I started hearing all these questions and thoughts in my head. And I thought I was going crazy, Dorothy. Honestly, I thought I was going crazy. I was like, oh, maybe I studied too much. Maybe I put too much pressure on myself to do this or something's going on. And God told me start answering the questions. So I said okay. So I I stepped back and I started answering the questions. And at the end, I had almost for every question, somebody come up to me and say, "Oh, when you that question that you answered, because that was my question." And a number of people would come and do that. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can hear their questions. This is creepy." <laughs> 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 you know <laughs> And and so basically God started showing me You know That even though the words are coming out of my mouth In the spirit He was helping me line up the questions So that everybody could hear the answers to the questions So they would get the totality of the message Because a lot of people don't listen until their answer Until their question is
0: answered Right Yeah, because I always like when you pray for it. someone. Yeah, when someone asks for prayers, I was trying to explain it to someone, and and I don't always explain things well. And I said, "Well, this is how it is. Somebody asks you to pray for them. They tell you what they want prayer for, and then Father comes in and tells you what they really need prayer for. So it's yes, <laughs> that happens a
1: lot. That happens." Tons of times, so I know exactly what it's, you
0: mean. <laughs> yeah, it's but to try and tell somebody who hasn't done it before, they probably don't understand what you're saying. You know, like like I said, I don't always explain things well, which is why I don't do the teaching. <laughs> There'd be more questions than well, answers if I did the teaching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm hoping and praying that. Today's message really kind of opens a lot of different um, a lot of different things for people because then they begin to realize how simple and easy it is. And operating from the Spirit is, is super simple, super easy, because all it is is surrendering fully to God and
0: just trusting Him. Which is not always easy because a lot of times oh. we're taught to mistrust. Right, so the the world
1: will teach you to, to mistrust But when you actually, if you were to sit down And make a list About God and the devil And make a conscious decision Okay, who should I trust? You will see that logically you will always pick God He's truthful, he's honest, he's a promise keeper he keeps his words, cannot lie. Right? He keeps covenants even to a thousand generations. He's good, he's holy, he's perfect, he's righteous. Right? And then you look at the devil. Right? He's a covenant breaker, never keeps any of his promises. He's a liar, he's a thief, he, he loves to steal, kill and destroy. And then you begin to realize Oh my gosh! Like I've been trusting a con man with my inter my, my eternity so when when you actually get the right perspective simply by sitting down and evaluating scripture and then, and then sitting then basically making a decision off of it, because ultimately that's what it is. You have to decide within yourself to trust. That's why one of my favorite quotes has become, don't let Satan put a question mark where God has put a period.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Right? Because you find that that's what the devil does. Did God really say? Right? Isn't that what we find in, in Genesis chapter 3? Yep. So he, so he's putting a question mark where God made a statement. Because God is the truth bearer While the devil Is just He's the father of all lies So you begin to see How simple and how easy it is To trust a good God So the devil Does his absolute best To paint God As the Godfather Right Make one, one slip up And you're sleeping with the fishes one right, stick. right, and you <laughs> and you lose a finger because that's God teaching you a lesson. That's rubbish. It's poop. Because that's not who He is. That's not His nature. He desires mercy more than sacrifice. He doesn't want you to sacrifice. He'd rather give you mercy. So when you begin to see God for who He is, it makes all the difference. And so, you know, I'm glad you actually brought that up because we're we're going to be launching our first uh, nine week nine week or more uh, course on our Bible school for the nature of God. So in in the nature of God, we're going to cover the redemptive names of God, which there are seven. And then we're going to cover uh, I Am and dive into, dive into that. So you begin to see God through the correct lens, the, the correct paradigm, and it lays a foundation for a believer's walk. And so right now we're basically offering a special um, for anybody who gets in for the, this first session Of that's half off basically it's going to be 600 for the full course later on but we're offering it for 300 because it's a lot of work it's it's going to be a lot of lots of teaching lots of engagement and for us it's all about um, practicality how to apply these simple ideas and concepts to your life on a regular basis because if you can't Apply it to your life. Then what's the point? If it doesn't change you, exactly. it doesn't challenge you. Right. Then what's the point? And as much as you know, I would like not to charge for anything. Uh, we find, and even taking counsel with other ministers, they say if you don't, if you do it for free, nobody values it.
0: That's but a it very cost, old maxim, and it's true. Yes. That's why. And a little off the track. It's, it's, I, when I worked at the animal shelter, we always charged adoption fees, just so that the person would place some kind of value that they could see on this animal. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, and it's honestly one thing that I've struggled with. Because my like, God, I would love to give you know this out for free, and you know just sell one of your cows in heaven, and I'll be good. And he was like, "No, they won't value it. They won't. They won't take what you're saying seriously." And so I'm like, "Okay, God. Nah. So we'll we'll do it this way because you know I've wrestled with him about it. But you see in, in our culture, we if anything that's free is is cheap, right? Not, mm-hmm. It has no value." and so so we're going to be doing that nine nine week course um for for half off for the first course and then it's going to go back to to full value cuz it's, it's going to probably looking at it it's it's going to be easily over 40 hours of of teaching and training it's going to be basically a semester in a bible school That's how deep we're going to go. That's how simple we're going to try to keep it. But we we want people to be able to go through it and make a practical application in their life and, and begin um, changing how they see God and how they interact with, with others around them. So it'll be good. We're, we're really excited about that. and Yeah. We have a lot more in store That we're going to be coming out with So
0: it's it's going to be good And that's going to be through your website?
1: Yeah It's it's in our school uh, Be the Gospel Institute And if you go to our website be com, There's a tab that's in the school If you click on that It takes you straight to it And you can just sign up for free But we have a number of free courses there Like God is Healer um, And a daily devotional for seven days. And it's just basically we're we're introducing some things to help people um, see how we teach, the purpose of why we teach the way we do, and just breaking it down to where it becomes super simple for people to, to understand and walk out.
0: That sounds excellent. Oh, she wants me to post the website Ronda M. okay, it's uh, I've got the chat room open on the computer and then got the studio open on the tablet, so I'm a little oh, see.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> then I got the voice coming through on the phone be the gospel dot yeah that website is also referenced in the show notes, every show that Anthony does. So if you ever forget it, just go back to one of the show pages and right under the description, the link is there.
1: Oh,
0: you're welcome, Rhonda. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, so that's it then. I'm thinking we covered yes, everything,
1: yeah, and yeah, I just wanted to pray over everyone and bless them, and then
0: that's, we look forward to let's close with a prayer, yeah,
1: and we look forward to seeing them in uh or they'll they'll be hearing from me in a in a couple of weeks, <laughs> 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 and so basically okay. we'll be talking about how to to flow from the spirit of God. Um next next time we're on. So it's gonna be very interesting. Some things God's been stirring up in me uh that, that shows how simple, how effortless it is. Uh, just simply trusting God and it will challenge people but it will it will be absolutely amazing. Uh, like real quick, uh was that I went to go see a movie with a friend and um when we we're there in line. I saw a young man with a cast all the way down from above his elbow down to his hand. And I just asked him if he had any any pain or any issues with him. He goes, Yeah, I had a very bad break and I'm in a lot of pain. I've actually been struggling with the pain. So, okay. I was like, Well, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal all of it right now. And he was like, What? Is it okay for prayer? He goes, Yeah. Yeah, if it's going to take away the pain, definitely So I prayed for him in the name of Jesus I realized he had a Middle Eastern accent So I, I've just learned not to look at them while, while I say in the name of Jesus You know <laughs> I just pray. <laughs> <laughs> so in the name of Jesus, amen And he just, his face changed And he looked at me and he goes Thank you, thank you so much Thank you for praying. I was like, so how does it feel now? And he just started telling me the story. And I said, no, no, no. Like, do you have any pain left? Because my my uh, my my group was walking off. And uh, he goes, I have no pain. I said, awesome. Well, you take care. And I shook his hand and I, I went inside to 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 meet my group. And so he he was walking in slightly behind us, and he was wiping his eyes. I don't know if he was clearing something from his eyes Or or if he was just completely touched by God But it was It was beautiful And just see how God Has you in certain places For a particular purpose Even though sometimes we think That it's an inconvenience You know (laughs) But God has you there for someone So that's some of the things We're going to be covering next time around Okay So let me go ahead and pray and bless you And and, and close Is that okay Dorothy
0: Yes that's absolutely fine Go right ahead
1: Okay Because I, I can probably talk For another hour If you need me to
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 All right <laughs> Father Right now In Jesus name We We thank you For your precious Holy Spirit We thank you That we have The mind of Christ We have the spirit of Christ and we thank you that you have washed away anything that hinders us from being reconciled back to you. So, Father, I thank you for everyone that can hear the sound of my voice. all sickness, all weakness, all infirmity, you go now. you be completely healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Somebody having some financial difficulties So right now in Jesus name Father I I thank you for Provision Right now I hear God saying It's not going to come the way you're expecting So be open And God will fill your cup So we thank you for that Right now Father That you meet every need You are our provider. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father.
1: And, Father, we thank you for divine protection over everybody who's listening, that they are protected because they are in your hand. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Anthony. I enjoyed that lesson. Um, it really is quite simple when you break it down, mm-hmm. and we need to stop struggling and trying to do it all in our flesh that's yep. we need to get that
1: it's It's the one key thing, so thank you. God bless you, and you everyone have a great evening.
0: And we look forward to next time. Father bless everyone. Have a wonderful week. I was just going to say something that just totally left my mind. But receive all the blessings that Father wants to give you, because He's just waiting there to give it to you. Good night, Anthony. Good night,
1: Dorothy.